No. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Save News TV. Um, I am live this morning. We are here for the first time. And we have Callie, as usual. So, how are you doing today? Hi. Good. 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 <laughs> Um, sorry, Debbie yes, is not back yet yeah, from her. Oh, well, we'll change up a little bit, and um, <clears throat> you all know I'm normally not a little bit on schedule. But, hey, sorry, my children. Hey, Debbie's. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, baby, how are you doing? <laughs> he wanted to come in. Yes, he said yes. earlier. You can see AZ. <laughs> yes, you're a little. <laughs> you're a little. This hopefully prefler on camera clear. Yes. So, how was your new year? Good. How's your new year? Um, it's, I feel like it's, New Year's good. I feel like it's always a little bit understated here because they celebrate the new year at Rosh Hashanah. Um, although the new year yes, on the Hebrew yes. calendar technically isn't really until closer to March. It's funny, but but yeah, it was good. You know, just bringing in 2022. Yes. I'm wondering why you're frozen. Oh, I don't know. Yes, you you're frozen. <laughs> frozen is that a movie or something? Yeah. <laughs> that is a movie. Let me see if I can bring you down and bring you back up. Okay. Huh? Let me see if I can move you down and move you back up. Everybody. Yes, we're excited here. Let me see if we can get Miss Kenny. I don't know what's up. Still frozen, Callie. You just don't have to sit there and look. All right. Well, what should I? Should I, is there anything I can do to help unfreeze on my end? Yes. I don't know. Um, maybe you can go. I'll do it and come back in link again since there was um. Okay, yeah, we'll try that. You know what I'm saying? Yep, I'll We're exit out. Go on. But everybody, we've had a wonderful okay. okay. Everybody, we've had a wonderful new year and just so excited. Uh, a lot of things have happened, are ready for the new year. Yes, yes, we're ready for the new year. And um, we're going to have a lot of things coming up on Save News. Um, we also, um, We'll ask you to check us out on our, our fire. Just go to Save News TV and um, 
type in, I mean, go to Cool on Fire and type in Save News TV. You find us a lot of things in there. Um, so excited. We have comedy, we have history, we have um everything you, you and it is on TV. We have music. It is awesome. And also we have Save News Radio, and it, it is awesome. So, so you go to co.com, Miss Callie back. Callie, okay, so Callie is... <laughs> Know what's going on? This is a new service that we're using today to so be patient with us, and um, we will see what is going. So I think my my. So anyway, what are we talking about today, Callie? The Amalekites, Amalek. I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> yes, We're I can gonna... hear you fine. You can hear me okay? Okay. Yeah, today's yeah. the Malachites. I'm pretty excited about. Great. I'm pretty excited about this well, topic. Let's, just, let's get into it. Go on. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully we won't have more technical issues. New year, new service, new issues. <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> Yeah, to resolve them. All right. Okay. The service didn't resolve the the issue. I'm on. I'm on. I'm chatting with my developer. Maybe he can help me. <laughs> so yeah. first scripture okay. we're going to. So. Okay. Yeah, Psalm eighty three. So, um, if you're new to our show, we've been looking at the enemies of God as listed out in Psalm eighty three. Um, we have a lot of territory to cover with Amalek, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I will just name through them. There's 10 of them. Edom, Ishmaelites, Moab, um, Hagarites, Gebal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, Tyre, and Asher. So we've gone all the way up through Amalek, which is what we're doing today. And I do encourage you to go back and watch the previous episodes to learn about Psalm 83 and also about these other people's. The main reason we're looking at them is because we're getting a sense of who is in the Middle East and what um, these people, you know, what the what the Bible says about these people groups and how they are, what their history is and how they've shaped current events, even up to this point that we're in in history today. So it's been really interesting. Um, so, yeah, today we are on the Amalekites. And I love this topic because... They tie into the book of Esther, um, which I think is just really amazing that um, they're affiliated with that particular passage. Um, so, um, <laughs> AZ just sent me a message, just checking. Yeah, so um, 
we're going to cover a lot of territory as we work up to what is going on with them in Esther. Um, but I think this is a really important message because when you really understand who they are, it makes Esther make a lot more sense. And even um, what we're seeing with Iran today, because of course in Esther, the Persian people are the Iranians. So when we see, when we're talking about what's going on in Iran today, it, it, it touches on this very issue um, with the Amalekites. So um, yeah, yeah, let's get started on who the Amalekites are. All right, so the Amalekites, they descended from Esau's let's son, Eliphaz. Yeah, they descended from um, Esau's son, Eliphaz, right. and his concubine. Um, and we talked about the people, um, the Edomites, um, they also were descendants of Esau. Um, so we've talked about kind of a cousin tribe of the Amalekites before. Um, and so you can see the history here in Genesis 36, 12. It, it tells the story there about um, Eliphaz marrying his concubine. Uh, her name is Timna, and they and they have a child together named Amalek, and he becomes the father of the Amalekites. Okay, so um, the Amalekites, they settled in the Negev, and they were most likely a nomadic people. And the Negev is in the southern part of Israel, okay? So they're most likely nomads who wandered around, um, but they did have a king, so they were a formal civilization. Um, Balaam's prophecy in Numbers 24:20 refers to them as the first of the nations. And I wasn't able to find any information about what that actually means. There's no real understanding of what that actually means. But they are the first nation to have attacked Israel after Israel entered into, or after Israel exited Egypt. Um, and because of that, not just the fact that they attacked Israel first, but the way in which they attacked Israel, they have taken on the persona as the arch enemy of Israel in scripture. Um, and today they're often referenced in um, the sense of being a highly anti-Semitic people and a highly, and the spirit of Amalek is considered to be a highly anti-Semitic spirit. So that is the way that the Jewish people and the Jewish tradition regards the Amalekites is just being the arch, the, the single arch enemy of all the enemies of God in the list. They are like the worst of the worst arch enemy of Israel. Okay, so let's go to Exodus 17. We're going to look at this battle that they had, um, the first battle that they had with the nation of Israel. All right, so just for some context, this battle took place right after Israel crossed out of Egypt into the land. Um, they were still, I think they were still in the wilderness, um, but they were in a position where uh, the, the nation of Israel didn't have any water. So the context for this is that um, there was no water for the people to drink and the people were quarreling with Moses and they were saying, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? And he consults the Lord about it. And the Lord tells him to strike the rock. And so this is when they strike the rock and the water comes out of the rock. Um, so this was a time where the people were very vulnerable. Wait, wait, hold up. What's this one of my favorite scriptures? I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. But go ahead. Yeah, that is. When, 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 when strike the rock and it's 
happen, okay? Yeah, no, it's really amazing. I mean, it's miraculous. Yeah, um, but you think they just experienced these miracles of the Lord parting the Red Sea for them, and they went through, and now they're they're thirsty, and so they're grumpy, and they're doubting God again. Um, and uh, Moses strikes the rock, and the water comes out. But then they get attacked by the Amalekites. Okay. So um, let's just look here at verse 8, and I'm just going to read verse 8 through 16, okay? So then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. What book are we in? Exodus 17, sorry. <laughs> Exodus 17, okay. 8 through 16, okay? Mm -hmm. So then Amalek came and fought, is, fought with okay. Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of a hill with a staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is My Banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So that is the very first battle the people of Israel fought, and it was with the Amalekites. And it was supernatural in the sense that when Moses lifted his hands, the nation of Israel prevailed, and when his hands dropped, Amalek prevailed. So there's a posture of intercession involved in defeating the Amalekites here. When Moses was in that posture of intercession, exactly. they were winning. When he wasn't in the posture of intercession, they were losing. Okay? And notice that they came and attacked the exactly. people when they were in a, when they were in a time of doubt. Um, but it's much worse than just them being in a time of doubt. Okay? Um, they were actually weak and vulnerable. So let's look at... Right. Right, let's look at Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 18. Turn there in my Bible. Okay, so the Lord tells us here. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt, how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you. And he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heavens. You shall not forget. So the word of God is telling us here that they, that Amalek, them when they were faint and weary 
and he attacked those who were lagging behind. So the Amalekites right. went after right. the weak. They didn't, they didn't attack Israel in a way that was fair. They went after the weak and vulnerable. So I'm thinking this is children. This is the elderly. You know, they went after the weak. And they went after them when they were in a time of weakness, when they were in a time of testing God and doubting him. Um, and so they were, the Lord basically um, spoke negatively over them. He said he would blot out the memory of Amalek. And in the previous passage, it said that there would be war with them from generation to generation. So um, this sort of sets the stage for yes, what's going to yeah. happen throughout the rest of history with these people. Um, okay, so now let's go to Samuel, well, what, 1 Samuel 15. Yeah. I was going to say one thing about it is that um, the first people to all's fail in war, you know, you yeah. attack the mm -hmm. weak, when you attack the vote, um, you have no more whatsoever. But no. Go ahead. Kathy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have no regard for human life. <laughs> These would be considered war crimes today, right? 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15. Yes. 35. Yes, First Samuel 15, 1 through 35. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but um, this is a passage in which we see exactly. another battle with the Amalekites. Um, and this time it's with King Saul. So King Saul had come into power, and he is... Um, about to go into war with the Amalekites. So let's read one through three. Okay, here it says, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So the Lord here is, he's calling to, calling them to remember um, what happened when they came out, that they did attack. They were the first ones to attack. They attacked them when they were weary. And they attacked the vulnerable. And he, he commands here that they take out everything. You know, don't leave anyone behind. That's the command from the Lord here on these people. Okay, so now let's look and see what happens in verses 7 through 9. And, and so, so it's, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, 7 through 9, it says, And Saul defeated the Amalekites from... Yeah. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless was devoted to destruction. 
Okay, so <laughs> were they obedient or disobedient? They were disobedient. They didn't do as the Lord said. They spared the king and well, they, they were disobedient. That's one of the things that God when instructions. We need to obey. Yeah. Um, so they were they were not ahead, obedient and <laughs> yeah, they yeah, were not obedient. And yeah, I think we have a delay too. <laughs> we're getting through it though. Um, but yeah, they were not obedient and um, they spared the yeah. king and they spared the sheep and the oxen. So basically they took the plunder. You know, the Lord has called them to not take plunder when they attack um, the enemies of God. And every time they've gone into war with the enemies of God, they've been instructed to not take the plunder. And so this is a, a scenario where, where they take the plunder. Okay, so there's this dialogue here. Let's look at verses 13 through 15. Okay, so Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the, the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. And Samuel said to Saul, Stop, I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And, and he said to him, Speak. I think I'm reading a little beyond where I wanted to, but that's okay. Um, We'll just keep going through verse 21 because now he's going to get a rebuke, okay? And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribe of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what is evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on a mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord, your God in Gilgal. So he's saying, Saul's basically, if you read this whole passage, he's, he has said that they saved the best things to, to sacrifice to the Lord. And he did so, he did what God said, but the people, now he's blaming the people. The people took the plunder. The people took the spoil. Not him, but the people. So then this is where... Um, um, Samuel comes back and he talks about how re rebellion is of the sin of divination. This is the context for that verse, which I think is really interesting. So when you do something in disobedience to God, you can't take it and suddenly make it obedient. You know, you can't, you can't use the excuse. Well, I'm going to sin, but I'm going to sin. I'm going to, I'm going to give my sinful actions to you as a sacrifice. <laughs> the Lord here is saying, you know, for rebellion is of the sin of divination. He'd rather, he'd rather have obedience. It says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen 
than, than the fat of rams. He'd much rather have obedience. And he says, for rebellion is of the sin of divination. So that's the context for when that passage comes in, for those of you who know that one. Okay, so he was rebuked, and he says he feared the people. So then let's see what happens here. Turn to verse 32 through 33. All right. Then Samuel said, Bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Okay, so Samuel brought, brought the consequence of death to um, Agag, according to the word of the Lord. And I think it's interesting here that he says, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. I think that touches back on that battle, that foundational original battle that happened. Um, I think this is, you know, the way that scripture interprets scripture. I think this is indication that when they went after the weak and vulnerable, that children were among that group. I think that's what Samuel could be saying here. Um, so um, he dealt with them and he... Um, brought to completion the job that Saul was supposed to do here. Okay, so now that that has laid the foundation for some historical battles that have happened with the Amalekites, and that will bring us to the book of Esther. All right, so 600 years later, 600 years after this, is when the story of Esther takes place, and it takes place in ancient Persia. Ancient Persia is present-day Iran. And as I was studying this, um, there, you know, there's sometimes where you look at God's word and you see something new and it's just mind blowing. <laughs> this is one of those moments for me where I was like, wow, God is amazing and sovereign. And, you know, you really have to mine his word for, for truths and treasures of truth. And, you know, when you do, you see these things that are just incredible. Okay, so before we get into Esther, I just want to go to 1 Samuel 1, 9, verses 1 and 2. I want to read to you about Saul. 1 Yeah, because I want to show you here. I want to show you here um, Saul's lineage. Okay, so 1 Samuel 9, 1 through 2. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Aviel. That's my son's name, by the way, Aviel. Oh, no. <laughs> my it's a great name. Yeah, it's a great name. He's my father is God. Okay, so there was a, I'll just start the verse again since I got distracted with Aviel. All right. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Aviel, son of Zeror, son of Berath, son of Aphiah, a Benjaminite, a Benjaminite, a Benjaminite, a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. Okay, so we just see here that Saul is a Benjaminite, and his father's name was Kish. All right? So hang on to that. That is Saul's heritage and his lineage. All right. So now I want you to look at Mordecai in Esther 2.5. So let's all flip there. Esther 2, verse 5. All right, so if you know the story of Esther, you know that this is a diaspora Jewish community living in, in um, ancient Persia. 
Um, the rest of Israel had already gone back into the nation of Israel after the time of being exiled in Babylon. But there's a diaspora community still in ancient Persia. And um, there's this story where you have the protagonist, Mordecai, and the antagonist, Haman. Um, and Haman seeks to kill the Jewish people because Mordecai would not bow down to him. And then Mordecai had adopted his his cousin Esther and she becomes the queen and she intercedes, she risks her life and intercedes on behalf of Israel. And um, the tables turn on Haman and he ends up being hanged on his own gallows. And the Jewish people are given permission by the king to attack their enemies and uh, they defeat them. And then through that, the Feast of Purim is instituted as the Jews were saved from their enemies. Okay, so you have this battle between peoples. This battle that the Jewish people were fighting in the book of Esther is with the Amalekites. All right, so what's really amazing though is that the parallel here between Esther, between Mordecai and Haman is the same in terms of people groups as what happened in the Samuel battle with Saul. All right, so you remember you remember we just covered Saul's lineage, that he's a Benjamin, Benjaminite and his father is Kish. Right? Okay, so now let's look at what the Bible says here about Mordecai. So go to Esther chapter 2, verse 5. Now there is a Jew in Susa. Now there's a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name is Mordecai, the son of Yair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjaminite. I didn't say that right, right again. Benjaminite. <laughs> All right. Do you see this? <laughs> All right. Yes. Mordecai. Mordecai is a Benjaminite from the line of Kish. That means that Mordecai is of the same lineage as King Saul. Okay? Exactly. That is just mind-blowing to me when I saw this. That was one of those things that got me all pumped up. I mean, I'm kind of a Bible nerd. So. <laughs> I see this and I'm like, yeah, wow, God is yes. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just impart that passion to you all. Wow. Okay, but it gets even better, right? It gets even more amazing. All right, so now let's look at Haman. Go to Esther 3.1. I told you that they're fighting the Amalekites, but I just want to show you. Esther 3.1. Okay. After these things, King Ahasuerus, or sometimes your Bible might say King Xerxes, depending on your translation, he promoted Haman, the Agagite, the son of Hamadetha, and advanced him and set him and set his throne above the officials who were with him. All right. Let me lay it out for you if you didn't catch it. <laughs> Haman the Agagite. Who was the king that Saul took captive? King Agag. So when this says that Haman, when it says it refers to Haman the Agagite, this is what it's saying. It's saying that Haman is an Amalekite in the lineage of King Agag. Isn't that incredible? So we have yes. here, yeah, we have here um, Mordecai, who's in the lineage of Saul, 
and Esther also, because she's his cousin, also in this lineage of Saul. And then we have Haman, who is in the lineage of King Agag, who um, Sam or who Saul was supposed to have killed, but didn't until Sam and you know, Samuel did. But you know, there's you disobedience. Yes, so there's disobedience there in that story. And now we see it playing out again. Okay, so, of course we know Mordecai would not bow. Um, he would not bow to Haman. So let's look at Esther 3, 8 through 9. Let's see what happens here. 3, 8 through 9. Then Haman said to the king, King Xerxes, there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws, so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it please the king, let it be declared that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who, who have charge of the king's business, that they may put, into the king, put it into the king's treasury. So the king gave permission here for the Jewish people to be destroyed. And um, uh, Haman even said he was going to pay people to do it. So, you know, he's, you know, same kind of evil as what happened in the earlier stories there. All right. And then we have the most famous passage from, from the book of Esther. Let's look at Esther 4, 13, um, 13 through 14. All right, so, you know, um, Mordecai learns of the story and he approaches Esther, who's the queen, and he says, then Mordecai told, told them to reply to Esther, do not think, of, think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for, for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So it's one of the most famous verses from Esther. And there's so much about this that we could unpack. But I think the heart of it is that Mordecai, he knows the promises of God to Israel. He knows that the Lord says that um, those who bless you will be blessed and those who curse you will be cursed. He knows that. He knows. I think Mordecai really knows the word of the Lord. And he's saying to Esther, the Lord ultimately is going to save us because he promises to do so. So you need to choose whether or not you're going to participate in this with him. Um, and to God's glory, she does. She goes with it, you know, and um, she advocates for her people. She pleads with the king in chapter 8, verse 3. Let's see what she says here. A little too far. Okay, 8-3. Then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to, to avert the evil plan of Haman, the Agagite, the Agagite, and the plot that he has devised against the Jews. So she intercedes for her people here. She risked her life to do so. She intercedes for her people. And um, as she tells the story, um, the king remembers that there was a time where Mordecai actually saved his life. It was written in the book of Chronicles. Mordecai exposed an evil plot to assassinate the king. 
uh, and saved his life. So the king relents and he gives her permission um, to, um, he gives the Jewish people then permission to um, attack their enemies, but also he takes revenge on Haman. See what he does? Look at 8 7. It says, Then the king said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther in the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he intended to lay hands on the Jews. So there we see that Haman is hanged on the gallows that he had actually built to hang Mordecai on. Um, so the Lord has dealt with with uh, the Amalekite, the leader of the Amalekites here, who is who is a, a high-ranking official in the court of the king. It's really amazing. Okay, so um, the, then there's a new edict issued. The Jews destroy their enemies. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so the Jews are destroying their enemies. And then something, but there's something about this that I want to point out. Let's look at um, Esther 9, 10. Okay, Esther 9, 10. Okay. All right, Esther 9, 10 tells us who they destroyed. They, they, you know, they destroyed their enemies, and it says, And the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadetha, the enemy of the Jews, but they no, laid no hand on the plunder. And I think that's really important. They laid no hand on the plunder. And it goes back and it repeats that three other times, or two other times. It tells us again in verse 15 that they laid no, hand, no hands on the plunder. And then again in verse 16 that they laid no hands on the plunder. So this is, this is repeated in Scripture to provide emphasis that this time they were obedient. They did not lay hands on the plunder. But what's interesting about it is that the king actually gave them permission to do so. Back in chapter 8, um, Verse 11, it, he, he tells them that they can attack their enemies and they can take the plunder. But this time, the nation of Israel chose to be obedient to the Lord and to not take the plunder per his command when they attack their enemies. So we see here that they, um, we just have this amazing kind of replay of a battle that took place back in Samuel between between the, the nation of Israel under the leadership of Saul, the Benjamin, Benjaminite, son of Kish. Now we have this battle again playing out in a different context. The Amalekites in Persia with the Jewish people in Persia. Um, Mordecai being a Benjaminite and a Kishite from the same lineage as Saul. Haman being an Agagite an Amalekite from the lineage of the king that Saul spared. The first time the nation of Israel was disobedient and took the plunder and used it in a rebellious way. The second time the nation of Israel is obedient and doesn't take the plunder, even though the king had given them freedom to do so. Um, so I just think this is a really incredible story. And um, there's so much more that we can discuss about this because the spirit of um, Amalek is noted as being anti-Semitic. And, and in the time that I've lived in Israel, it's Iran that we've really been facing. You know, even the conflicts that we have with Gaza, 
they are proxy wars with the nation of Iran who funds the terrorists in those areas and also in Lebanon. Um, and there's also some ideas too that relate this to the Holocaust um, because the Holocaust was probably, there's the pogroms and there's, I mean, the Jewish people faced a lot of challenges, the Crusades, the pogroms, um, but the Holocaust was probably one of the worst times in history for the Jews as six million were died or six million were killed um, in that event. And um, that's often also likened to this um, Amalekite spirit. So it's a very wicked and anti-Semitic spirit. Um, and it's still prevalent today. And the Lord, you know, the Lord told us that he would every generation, you know, they would, that he would fight them every single generation. And so I think that leads us up to where we are today. So um, AZ, you have comments? <laughs> I think there's a delay. Look, because um, prophecy be added in between. That's why I, I was like, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah. You, there's a delay. Like, I heard so, you. Uh, I just, I feel that it that God has been consistent. Is this your mic? That God has been yeah. consistent. <laughs> With how his people that's better than sacrifice. Mm -hmm. We have a I have a background noise going on here, so um wrap it up because I got a lot of backgrounds going on here. I've been mm -hmm. trying to do some things okay. with this. Mm -hmm. So it's a great teaching, the first of the new year, and uh, we just thank God for continuing this series Callie um, why don't you pray for the people for the new year Marian calendar new year <laughs> and peace <laughs> and, and prosperity for everyone and the pledge of protection of God around them and yeah. anything you feel that leaving you also to say okay Lord, I just thank you that we have entered into a new year on the Gregorian calendar, and we just thank you, Lord, um, for your goodness to bring us to 2022. We thank you for all the things that you have planned for us, all the good things um, that you have coming, all the ways that you have established that we might know you more deeply and personally and intimately. Um, Lord, we don't know what we face in the future, but we know that we don't face it without you and that you will walk with us through everything um, that we encounter. And Lord God, I ask that you would just continue to bless us, that you would bless the um, viewers of Save News, that you would bless the listeners, the, the readers of Save News, Lord, um, that you would bless the people and that they would just experience greater, greater knowledge of you, greater intimacy with you, just a, a deeper walk with you in this next year. Um, that this year would just really be marked by knowing you more and more. And, and um, we ask also, Lord, that salvation would come to the nations, salvation would come to the Jewish people, Lord, that you would give revelation of Messiah Yeshua, um, and that you would bring in a harvest, Lord, this year, that, that we would see uh, new believers come into the kingdom this year. And we just thank you so much for your goodness and, and just that you love us so much to to send your son and um, 
We just commit this year to you, Hashem Yeshua. Amen. Amen. And as always, everybody, you know you can come into the kingdom of God. Just accept him, Yeshua, as your Lord and Savior. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And go out and tell somebody that you are not God. And the angels of heaven rejoice when you come into the kingdom of the Lord. And remember that the Lord is married to the backslider. So if you have the Lord, you can always come to him and he is here for you. So anyway, uh, we love you. We pray for you. Please continue your prayer request. We have been praying um, diligently. Have we not, Ali? Evidently, she can't hear me. We have been praying diligently for everyone. But anyway, all have a very blessed day. We love you. God bless you. And the Gregorian calendar, you are definitely blessed throughout this year. And may prosperity be upon you. In Yeshua's name. Bye-bye. Amen. Bye.